right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Summer's Vibes Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Summer. We have another guest on today. Like I told y'all, we're going to be bringing guests to come in and talk about what's going on in the community, what's going on um, in our, what's going on in the state, what's going on in the city. And so I'm excited to have another guest on council member, Houston City Council members, uh, Edward Pollard uh, for District uh, for District J. Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, speaking to us about what's going on in the city and what's going on in your district. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, great. So, um, you know, I want to go ahead and hop into it. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, this year. There's a lot of things that we've seen changing over the past two and a half years, and I think all for the for the better, right? And so, as we look on, as we look at like you know what we have seen change, what are some better improvements that we can make? And so, I kind of want to speak specifically on what's going on in your district, right? As I was kind of looking you up, I was just kind of looking at some things. I'm like, hmm, okay, what is he working on? And um, in his district, and one of the things that I kind of saw was we've seen like that uptick in crime in Houston, where which has left a lot of people concerned about you know crime, whether that's theft, whether that's whatever it is, it's left a lot of people concerned. So one of the things I saw was that you had um, community policing basically, and it was called um, like District J Patrol. So I want to ask you. Um, you know, can you describe what that is and um, what 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 has that been like for your district? Yeah, so the District J Patrol is a new modern approach to community policing, and it is an ability for the neighborhoods to connect directly with law enforcement, specifically HPD. And so residents are able to go on districtjpatrol.com. Uh, they can do it online through their desktop or through their mobile device, and they can report neighborhood-related crimes and violations. Those neighborhood-related crimes and violations are then routed straight to a specialized HPD uh, unit, a differential response team unit, and they will be able to address those quality of life concerns that are um, related to their neighborhood in a prompt fashion. The cool thing about the online platform is that allows you to track your progress. So it's very transparent to ensure that there's accountability and that HPD is following up on the uh, submissions that are reported. The cool thing about the uh, online platform, not only is it a streamlined way to communicate uh, with HPD and to put forth you know, whatever your issue is, but it opens up the lines of communication. Um, the, the, the website is independently maintained. Uh, we set up a a task team of, of members who are volunteers and residents of the different neighborhoods in the district. And they're responsible for being the eyes and ears of their neighborhood. And they have um, two meetings a month with HPD regarding the things that happen within their neighborhood. Another cool thing about the District J Patrol is we have our own vehicles and they're open concept. So they're not the traditional police patrol unit that you see riding down your street but it's an on-road, off-road, uh, open concept vehicle, and it allows for better communication. It's not as intimidating when it comes down the street. Uh, and so we try to find ways to bridge the gap between community and police. It all starts with education and communication. And I think of, uh, if the community and the police are on the same page, then you see good things happen. Most okay. people want a safe neighborhood and police officers want to return home at night. 
and so to their families. And so we have to find ways in which we can uh, decrease the tension and ensure that there's more communication so that we can have uh, the neighborhoods that we seek. Okay. So they can, on the, so on that link or that website, they can report like pretty much anything that they, they have. Uh, I saw a few things. There was. So it's more, it's more like uh neighborhood related crimes and violations. Okay. So these aren't the uh, assaults, rapes, murders. These are more the nuisances, trespassing, um, homeless encampments, uh, junk motor vehicles, things that that impact your quality of life within your neighborhood. Um, the good thing about it is those those type of crimes and violations are usually at the very bottom of the totem pole, mm -hmm. right? So usually when police have to prioritize calls, they're going to have to go to the rapes, the assaults, the murders before they deal with trespass or a panhandler, right? But the people in the neighborhoods, they want those issues addressed as well because they see it every single day. It's 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 um, changing the dynamics of their neighborhood. And so these, uh, the District J Patrol, they only can deal with those issues and they can't get called off of assignment when they get those reports. And so we pay for that uh, out of our office budget and it's through overtime pay. And so the officers that sign up for that overtime patrol are focused solely on the neighborhood issues. Okay, cool. All righty, that makes sense. So since implementing that, I think you've implemented that since when, was it 2020 or 2021? 2020, the end of 2020. Okay, the end of 2020. So in between like that time and now, uh, just even based on, like you said, neighborhood patrolling or whatever, um, have you, have they seen a better relationship between the community and the officers just even based on what's going on in the neighborhood? Have you all seen that? Yeah, for sure. So we, you know, in the first year we had over a thousand submissions. Um, and what that says is people still trust police to answer calls and trust police to police to uh, resolve issues. Uh, what we wanted to do is increase the response times. We wanted when people put in an issue that that issue was made a priority and that HPD followed up on it. In doing so, that automatically creates communication because they have to go address the issue. So whether they're going in person to knock on your door to talk about the issue uh, or you're able to see a response from them online, uh, there's communication there. So in every single report that goes through the District J Patrol is tracked with a response from HPD that lets you know what happened on that report. So that increases the trust uh, and the accountability. And uh, through communication, you're able to kind of bridge those gaps. Okay, great. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to ask about I just wanted to ask about that. And, um, you know, because I think it's important as we as we try to build trust within the community, and also improving that relationship with, um, with the community and the officer. Um, you know, my family comes, they used to work for HPD. So I know, um, I know, it's super important to make sure that that relationship's good. So yeah, and, and to piggyback on that. Mm -hmm. Community policing is about ensuring that the community is engaged with the police and the police is engaged with the community. You don't want every time that there is contact with an officer is because of an incident or something bad that has happened. You want it because that 
they're there to keep us safe and protected and as well as to listen uh, and not to escalate. And mm -hmm. so the district day patrol, when they're around in your district, they're either, you know, being there for presence or we also use them for community initiatives and events. So they're always out in their vehicles, talking to the public, engaging with the kids, making sure that they have a, a different uh, perception of what a law enforcement officer is. And it just takes that holistic approach um, to really change the minds of the community. And it gives the officers in the, uh, a chance to really prove themselves uh, to the community that, you know, they aren't the bad guys. You know, we grew up in some areas where we believe that the police are the bad guys. And although there are some incidences that take place that uh, that are not favorable, by and large, you know, the police, I think, do an excellent job at keeping our community safe. But it's, it's by their actions that have to prove that change. And the District J Patrol is one way in which they can prove to be good community police officers. I do think that that is a good change for sure. Uh, so just as we talk about, you know, what's going on in your district, the other thing that I kind of want to ask is, you know, for your district, what do you want to see? Like, what are, what is some of, what is the, vis the vision, the, mis the mission that you have? Like, what do you want to see for your district as an improvement or something that you're currently working on? Well, when I came into, well, I represent District J, which is Southwest Houston which is Gulfton, Sharptown, Westwood, Brayburn, A-Leaf. You're on 59 South. It's really everything between 610 and the Beltway. So basically from the Galleria up until you're going into Stafford. And so it's a very diverse district, over 200,000 people. Uh, but Southwest Houston has gotten a bad rap over the past couple of decades, right? We've yeah. seen the kind of the trend. If you're from Houston, you understand kind of how Sharpstown Mall and all that what once was at one time and this is kind of deteriorated over time. Uh, and so when I came into office, people considered Southwest Houston and some of our areas as underserved. Mm -hmm. And my biggest thing was I don't represent an underserved area. We want to change the dynamics and we want to change the narrative uh, of that. Um, because if I'm representing the area, you're going to be served, regardless if you're um, poor or rich, black or white, doesn't matter your, your, your faith background or where you're from, you know, we want to serve you. We want to make sure that you get the services, programs and resources that you deserve. And so for me, it's to change the mindset of what people think about when they uh, associate Southwest Houston uh, to the city at, at large. And then for the people there, who live within the area to feel that they're represented, to feel that they are engaged, that they have someone that will listen to them and advocate for them, and that is no longer looked at as a underserved community. And so it's not one particular issue that we focus on. Uh, we kind of try to listen to the needs of the residents and understand the dynamics of their unique um, part of the district and then respond to that. Mm -hmm. So. Many times, you know, the elected official will come into your neighborhood and tell you uh, what they think you need, or they'll say, hey, uh, um, what can I do for you, right? But we need to be listening to the residents and saying, what can I do for you, mm -hmm. right? And I think if, if we're able to do that, um, then we're able to address their needs more directly. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, um, yeah, that I was, so I went to school out, uh, I went to HVU. So very familiar, um, okay. with, <laughs> for my undergrad. So very familiar. HBU now. Huh? What did you say? You said you went to HBU? I did. And now it's HCU. Can you believe that? Houston Christian University, yeah. something like think, that. What do you think about that? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my thoughts to the vest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> campus, I'm on your campus all the time. Are like you? That. Yeah, because we, uh, we have a really good relationship with that campus. And when I came into office, uh-huh. You know, I said, you know, you guys are in this gated little campus and you don't come outside the walls much to engage in the community and the community kind of feels intimidated to come within the walls. So we need to change that. And so we've been able to do a lot over the last couple of years with HBU, now HCU, mm-hmm. uh, to where we're getting their student athletes and their general uh, population outside of their walls to do more community events. And then for all of the all of the things that are going on campus, we're trying to bring the surrounding neighborhoods on campus to participate, whether it's ball games or festivals or whatever. Uh, we want that to be our home team. You know, that's the university that's within District J, and we try to galvanize behind them now uh, to make that our our home team. It, that's that's great. It's a it's very different than when I went like 13 years ago or something. You, like what that. year did you graduate from? Well, there? I graduated in I think 2015, but I, I can say that I, I have seen a lot of change in that university over the past few years. But during that, you know, during the time I went, it was a little different. So that okay. is good. That is good that you all engaged with them a lot more. And it was still gated. It was still, it was very gated when I went. So <laughs> not surprised at all, but that is good. I think like community engagement um, is so important. So uh, that kind of brings me to like the next topic. And um, when we talk about like voting and the power of your voice when it comes to voting and how we can inspire like younger generations and the youth, um, you know, What's your thoughts on and what's your opinion on why um, a, a local elections matter so much? You've talked about everything from the community policing, uh, getting the communities and invo- getting uh, the neighborhood involved with some of the schools. And so a lot of people don't understand like the importance of, uh, you know, local elections. We don't see a lot of turnout. So just want to get your thoughts on that and uh, speak more to that. Yeah. So the local elections matter probably the most to your everyday life. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a local election, it's either a school board election, city council election, and even like your commissioners and state representatives, they, they're they doing things that affect you every single day. So your police, your fire, your trash, your parks, your libraries, your airports, you know, transportation, all of those things that you deal with every single day are governed by your local elected officials. And the reason that voting is so important is because the the elected officials make the laws. The laws dictate what you can and can't do. So they dictate your life. And if you look at life as a game, in order to master the game, you have to understand the rules. If you don't understand the rules, then you can't master the game. And if you want to dictate the rules or change the rules, then you have to be an active participant in who makes the rules who makes the rules of the people that you elect. And so if if you care about 
what's happening within your community or you want to try to be a part of it, then voting is the biggest way in which to exercise your voice to say, this is what I would like to see. And not only me, go and get some other people as well uh, and have a collective to put forth people that are like-minded to you so that they can put laws and policies in place that you can stand behind. And if you do not do that and you're not a part of that progress a process, then people are making rules for you and telling you what you can and can't do and you have no say so in it. And you can't really complain about what's happening if you weren't a part of the pro process. And if it comes to the fact that you support something or elect uh, or vote for someone and they don't, you know, follow up with what they're telling you they're going to do, then the process allows you to go back in a couple of years and vote for someone else. And that's the beauty of being in a democracy is uh, it is one person, one vote. But if people don't go out and vote, then we don't have the numbers that we may need from certain communities that may have certain issues that they want to prioritize being addressed. And that's why you see such a push from the national level down to try to restrict people from voting because they understand that whoever votes in who they want gets to dictate the life that will be. Mm -hmm. And if you want things to change or you want to have a, a, a person or persons in place that um, have your similar perspective, then you have to get out there, educate yourself on who they may be and try to support them. Yeah, no and doubt. And I oh, think for sorry. younger people, yeah, I think for younger people, not to cut you off, but for younger people, it's important to, I think, educate yourself on the process and not get tied into um, parties. Uh, I think for older generations, and historically, we get into parties, um, Democrats, Republicans, and we only have two sides to choose from. But I think younger people, millennials and the next generation, Z and then Z, uh, have to be more issues based. Look at a person for, for their character, for their integrity, for their resume, and vote for them based on that than just because they have a certain letter next to their name. And I think if we're more independent with our thought, more independent and less predictable with our vote, mm -hmm. then we'll start to get more changes in the community. Yeah, I think that's so true. And then, you know, how involved is the person that you're voting for? How involved are they in the community? How, you know, what's the accessibility to them? So, you know, I, I think for I think for most people, people want to feel like they have access to that candidate or the people that or the person that's running, whatever, uh, whatever it is. So they can understand, you know, what that person's value values are, what their mission is. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I always look up I'll, every time like voting comes around. I'm like, all right, who's running for what, right? Like, if you want to see changes to uh, what's going on, you know, whether it's the judges, then you you got to vote, right? Because there's so many. I think there's so many judgeships that are up. Uh, in Harris County, uh, this 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 for this election, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, yep. so want to see changes around that, like prime opportunity. Look up, you know who, you know, look up who's running some things that they that they have traditionally done and what their mission is now. I mean, I think it's a, um, I think that's super important if you want to see that change too. Yeah, and I try to tell people all the time: you start you start off by this. You can ask your friends, you can ask your parents, you can ask your coworkers, say, okay, 
Who's your school board trustee? Who's your state rep? Who's your county commissioner? Who's your county judge? Who's your council member? Who's your state rep? Who's your uh, state senate? Who's your congressional person? You just ask them all the people, right? And say, list those people. Who is your who is your school board trustee, right? Who is your whatever? If you cannot name these people or the majority of these people, then you're already behind the curve. Because if I don't even know who represents me, I don't know if they're doing a good or a bad job. And I don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't know what laws they're creating in that space that impact me. So if it's a school board trustee, you don't, you know, you want to know who they are because they're dictating the curriculum. They're dictating the, the, the textbooks that you read. They're dictating the type of after school programs that will be there. All these things that may affect your family. If it's your city council person, you know, they're dictating, you know, uh, the things that have to do with your local park or your local library, right? You know, um, the safety within your neighborhood. If it's somebody at the federal level, they may be dealing with, you know, um, if they're going to legalize marijuana or not, or student debt or immigration or abortion rights or gun rights or whatever, right? All these, all these big issues. But if you don't even know who they are, and I always challenge people by asking them those questions, then you're already behind. So the first thing is to know who they are, uh, and then you can figure out if they're, you know, doing things that you approve of or not. And the easy way to do it is just going on Google, type in who represents me. Mm-hmm. They'll ask you what your address is, and then you'll have a list of people that represent you, and they may have a link to their website, and you kind of start from there. But if you don't know who represents you, then you don't know what rules they're making. If you don't know what rules they're making, then you're just living life aimlessly because you don't understand the rules of the game and if you don't understand the rules of the game you can't play the game if you can't play the game you can't win the game all right (laughs) no for sure no for sure last question i want to ask you last question so we know that midterms are coming right next next month so last question i want to ask you what are what are some things that you're looking for like what are you know what are some things that you're looking forward to what do you want to see um happen in this in this midterm election whether it's in the city or in the state or just like overall what are some key things that you've been looking uh looking towards or for so i'm a i was a political science major at morehouse and um i didn't really even understood what that meant when i was taking the classes but as i've grown older i've, I've really grown into a political scientist and so for this midterm I'm looking into trends. I'm looking into, I'm very interested in seeing uh, from a statewide perspective, if at the governor's uh, race um, in a traditionally red state, um, how much support can a Democratic candidate get when it comes to Beto? Does he move the needle at all when it comes to um, the amount of Democrats that would vote for governor? on the on the local races, I'm looking at the judicial races. We have a lot of black judges in office right now. Um, I think that's great, um, but we want to see what the pulse of the people are from a countywide perspective. Do they want to continue to see um, these same judges and these same faces within their courtrooms? Um, from a county judge perspective, that's a hot a hot um, race on the uh, local ticket. Is, is, is county judge, and that's Lena Hidalgo versus Alex Miller. There's millions of dollars that have been pumped into those races um, from the national parties. I want to see, you know, what does that do when it comes to turnout? 
um, on this particular race. This is the first time in a midterm where there will not be a straight party ticket uh, button on your ballot. So you're going to have to vote for every single person one by one. I want to see what what uh, impact that has and if people will actually go to the bottom of the ticket. I tell people that the best thing to do is maybe start at the bottom and work your way up okay. uh, to ensure you get everyone. And then we want to see where we are from a partisan standpoint uh, in the county. Um, in, in 18 and in 18 was the first time that the county turned blue. This is the second midterm in 2022. Uh, we want to see if the county stays blue or if the county flips back red. Uh, so for someone who's in office and keeps up with politics, I'm looking at that more so than any particular issue, okay. because all the candidates are going to try to sell you on they're the best thing since sliced bread. But we'll see what happens after they get elected, if that becomes true or not. But all of the dynamics around the election mm -hmm. and the turnout uh, and the logistics of going to vote, we'll see what impact that makes uh, here locally. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I had um, the Harris County Elections Administrator's Office on. And um, yeah, the first time that we did that ballot was back in the primaries, right? And it was super long, like extremely long. So just making sure that people understand like that ballot and they know how to use it. So if you voted in the primary, you should be a little bit familiar with it. But those are all great. Those are all great things to look forward to, uh, to look at. Those are kind of the same things I was looking at, especially like Beto and Lena Hidalgo, you know, Harris, uh, the Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo. I'm definitely inter interested to see how that turns out. But anyways, yep. I want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for some of the insights on what's going on in your district. And then like as a whole, uh, your thoughts and also in just inspiring people to make sure that they get out there and vote and understanding and utilizing their voice in a way that's impactful to them and their community. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on. And um, I hope everyone found this very beneficial. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm on all the social media platforms under Edward Pollard, P-O-L-L-A-R-D. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. Engage with me. Uh, I do check my messages. So uh, reach out if you see something that's interesting to you on my page that you would like to participate in. Or if you have a question on a particular issue, I look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for inviting me again. All right, y'all heard it. Thank you.